Welcome back to New Rockstars. I'm Eric Voss, and this is Rick Explained, the show where we Rick Explain the hidden agenda behind each episode of Rick and Morty. Because if it's one thing Rick and Morty fans love, it's a new way to explain to their friends what it's all really about. A reminder to subscribe to the Rick Explained podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts, so you will have access to this New Rockstars official Rick and Morty after show. This will be our Rick and Morty season four follow-up episode. But as we wait for season four to come out, we are looking at one standout episode from each season for season three. That episode for me was Tales from the Citadel, aka the Rick Lantis mix-up, aka the return of Evil Morty. Now I'm going to sit down with the co-writer of this episode, Ryan Ridley, in just a few minutes. But first, let's look at the Tales from the Citadel's interweaving storylines to explore its deeper metaphor that Rick and Morty, as a show, hates politics. And the twist ending that most people remember from this episode isn't really the ending that matters. This episode departs from our Rick and Morty as they go to some undersea adventure to instead follow four storylines in the newly reconstructed Citadel, which Rick had destroyed in the season premiere. First, there's the political campaign story following Evil Morty's rise to the presidency and the cover-up of the conspiracy. It plays out kind of like a parody of stories like The Candidate with Robert Redford or The Manchurian Candidate or House of Cards with some nods to the 2016 presidential campaign. There's also a street-level story about a rookie cop Rick with a jaded veteran cop Morty who corruptly takes bribes and murders Mortys. It's a similar commentary about racial justice as the movie Training Day. And then there's a storyline about the exploited factory worker Rick who murders his boss and surrenders a standoff by becoming even more exploited by the capitalist system that he set out to overturn. Similar to Marxist fables like Animal Farm or Soylent Green, Snowpiercer, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which comrades is pure Marx. And lastly, a Stand By Me-inspired story about four rebellious student Mortys who end up helping the man take over someone's farm. Which, you know, we can also read into as a Marxist statement. Long story short, folks, everything's Marxist. Look, there's a lot of big ideas going on here, and it's remembered as Rick and Morty's most political episode, with the Citadel as an obvious metaphor for American politics. This rang especially true, considering the season was written during the 2016 election, and like many TV shows released during 2017, critics kind of looked at all TV through a very political lens. But here is the thing. This episode actually says a big f*** you to all political analysis. The episode's title is not Tales from the Citadel, it's the Rick Lantis mix-up. The episode's post credit scene is the true ending because it bookends the framing scene from the opening. We return from the Citadel, and our Rick and Morty return from Atlantis, and Morty asks, By the way, hey, um, still not curious about what might have happened at that crazy Citadel place? Not at all, Morty. That place will never have any bearing over our lives ever again. Unlike that mermaid puss. Yeah! <laughs> We're going back for yeah! seconds. We're gonna yeah! do that shit every week, man. Yeah, the final scene reframes frames everything as we saw in the Citadel as just episodes from another series. And the storytelling is so dense, four complete interesting arcs with a callback to the characters superfans were most obsessed with, that it's as if the writers crammed story ideas for every political commentary into one episode so that they would never have to talk about politics ever again. All of season three takes place in this apolitical stance. In the premiere, Rick wipes out the Citadel of Ricks as if he never wants to be sucked back into the politics and interdimensional drama ever again. And the finale episode is Rick literally fist-fighting with the Obama-like president over a mere selfie that Morty wanted. This may come as a disappointment for fans of Evil Morty, who I'm sure would love for him to be more conspiratorially involved in the series Endgame, but even Evil Morty's final speech shrugs off this responsibility to be a kind of Emperor Palpatine. Seems like a good time for a drink and a cold, calculated speech with sinister overtones. Speech about politics, about order, brotherhood. Campaigning. Now is the time for action. 
even Evil Morty himself recognizes that Rick and Morty can be so much more interesting than a political allegory. And any conspiracy twists and mythology building that the show seems to be doing, like introducing Evil Morty in season one and bringing him back in season three, is only meant as a vehicle for the show's true agenda, chaos-based humor with reminders that being a genius doesn't mean you have to be a Rick. But hey, that's just my Rick explanation. Am I full of shit? Is saying politics don't matter just a lazy excuse to shield oneself in a bubble of immaturity? A route to political slavery with extra steps? Well, we've invited the co-writer of this episode, Ryan Ridley, on this episode to explain what it's all really about right after a quick message from our sponsors. Hey guys, have you ever been stuck in the awkward experience of having to buy cologne for yourself? Just wandering the aisles at a Macy's or Sephora, still wearing that polo your grandma bought you four Christmases ago, dousing your nostrils until everything smells like burning? Smelling good is important, and that's why I love Hawthorne. Instead of smelling a bunch of scents in a store until they all smell the same, Hawthorne has you take a short quiz about your lifestyle and preferences, and then they send you two scents, one for work and one for play. I love this handy quiz. It's got a scale for BO that goes from no BO to painful BO. Hopefully painful strong enough because, well, well, your lucky podcasts don't have a spelling feature. They also have deodorant, shampoo, and body wash. The whole process is easy and convenient. Best of all, it's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E. And use my promo code RICK to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. And use my code RICK to get 10% off your purchase, hawthorne.co. And we're back. Now joining this episode of Rick Explained to help us break down the season three episode, The Rick Lantis Mix-Up, aka Tales from the Citadel, Return of Evil Morty. Uh, coming back to the show, uh, our friend Ryan Ridley. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you again. Uh, and also joining this conversation is our, our good buddy and Rick and Morty super fan and uh, self-described connoisseur of mermaid sex, <laughs> <laughs> Sam Basher. Howdy. Now is that a, uh, a lighthouse reference or a reference to... This one. It's up to you guys. Oh, <laughs> don't spoil it. <laughs> the episode. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Now, Ryan, you co-wrote this episode with Dan Guterman, and we were discussing earlier how it seems to be the most political episode. Uh, Tales from the Citadel has like four interweaving storylines. They're all uh, political allegory in in some kind of uh, sense. And it seems like this is the episode that they crammed all the political commentary ideas into because none of the other episodes of Rick and Morty seem that political in nature. They have social commentary, commentary on human nature, on relationships, uh, on like mental health, but not so much about like politics and social structures. Um, would you agree that Rick and Morty is an apolitical show? Is that something that the writers have talked about? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely is, although I will remind you that, uh, there is one episode that was a very bald attempt to be political, which is the B story, and I think it was the devil episode. Might be wrong, but it's the one where Rick and, uh, Morty and Jerry go to Pluto. Oh, that's right. It's a very on-the-nose analogy for climate change and climate change denial and (laughs) the the political status quo that would deny it. So, and that's not... A super great story, and it's not a super memorable story, mm-hmm. obviously. And the, the reason is, is an answer to this question, is that, you know, when you're, I think when you're like, let's talk about this, but then we'll just tweak it and make, you know, half the faces white or half the faces black, Star Trek style, when it was mm-hmm. like, those kind of very basic <laughs> metaphors for, you know, what they talked about in the 60s. And with Rick and Morty, it's like, I think that this episode was born more out of like the organic political reality of the universe itself. We weren't mm-hmm. going like, we're gonna talk about police brutality or, you know, 
every other, whatever the four other, three other stories we're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, the workers' rights and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> there was never really, a, we weren't thinking about that. It was just kind of like, what would be the, how do you examine this very complex society and what's kind of the most interesting but also funny ways and surprising ways to see it and how do you rearrange Ricks and Mortys and watch them in different status roles? You know, the cops, the status is reversed. Rick mm -hmm. is the low status character. And, and you know, so that's, and they are obviously, is metaphor the proper term for that? I feel like a <laughs> metaphor is now an umbrella I'm term a, for everything. I know, it's one of those, it's like one of these things where it's like when ironic started to become used yeah. wrong. I'm like, I'm, am I going to come off like an idiot for saying it's a metaphor? Yeah. I'm technically a writer. I should at least know like writing terms. <laughs> Alanis Morissette ruined irony for us. Yeah. And then, um, Someone else ruined metaphor for us, probably. Yeah, so I don't know. Analogy, whatever. Um, the origin of the episode was Justin was like, I want to do a Citadel episode. I want to do an mm -hmm. episode that takes place in Citadel. And like, you know, it was always going to be sort of a little more driven by the fun of that mm -hmm. and less about, you know, more the energy of the first episode, which was, you know, oh, it's fun to see Rick selling little dolls of Morty and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, there was going to be a, uh, a storyline. In fact, this is the one thing I remember Justin kept wanting was that, that it was... There was a, a, a Rick store on the Citadel that Jerry was working at. Okay. And a Morty <laughs> was his boss. And it was like, so it was sort of going to be dealing with that power dynamic, uh -huh. but that that went away. <laughs> and I remember for me, you know, I was like, I want that episode. And, or Gudrun and I were like, well, we want that episode together. Because we had the setup of the season one premiere of the Citadel getting, you know, attacked. I was like, well, this is obviously like what happens when a society gets attacked or gets mm -hmm. devastated in some way and you know i thought about iraq a lot after mm -hmm. the war and i was like you know all these powers that be come in and factions start start you know like you know springing up and mm -hmm. and it's it, the, the the power dynamic the status quo is totally thrown for a loop and i was like that's so rich like we can just explore what that's going to look like you know oh. so it's yes of course it's a political episode but it's not like we're going to talk about iraq right? mm -hmm. but it's just kind of like that's what would happen to this citadel like given the the premiere episode of season three that's oh. interesting yeah. yeah it seems like season three was the year when like at least the reaction to the show people started to view it through a more like political lens, a more socially woke lens. Like, people started to do more theory essays on, like, is Rick a good person? Should he be a role model? Like, more conversations about the Rick and Morty fan base. And it might have just been, this is the first season to come out after the 2016 election. And I feel like all of television started to be, like, looked at through that lens, whether or not the writers intended it to be that. Mm -hmm. Did you guys feel, like, a greater pressure, like, to dig into more of those themes like how did you guys react to that reaction um i mean let's see so we would have been writing the season because i remember ending the season or me finishing my role like just before the election because mm -hmm. i remember walking i remember like i hadn't seen dan in like a week and he, he used to live in my neighborhood so i like walked into him like the day of the election or day yeah. after the election and like and of course that's that was the first moment was like this is actually real for months before that people were like i don't know this could this could be one big joke this mm -hmm. you know who knows so when we we're probably writing this episode i don't remember where we would have been like the summer of 2016 or something like mm -hmm. that and it other than the obvious parallel between the political you know it's a it's a campaign happening mm -hmm. you know and you could obviously although the the truth is the more evil morty who ends up being evil morty it's almost the opposite of Trump, he's someone pretending to be virtuous and uh -huh. he's, he's, you know, he's, he's manipulating 
and he's hiding his uh, insidiousness. Um, he never speaks his mind. He's always got like a, a truth. Whereas you know, Trump speaks his mind. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, you know, that I, you know, obviously there's a connection. But I, I think we would have probably done that anyway. I think mm-hmm. it was more influenced by, you know, just like if, if Trump wasn't winning, if there wasn't even an election happening that year. We would have probably had that because it just makes sense to sort of, like I said, it, it, it's, you know, there would be a new political reality given everything that happened to the Citadel. And, um, and there's demographic shifts and there's, there's, there's civil rights movements mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so uh, I, I think it was we had obviously wanted to bring Evil Morty back, but you don't just want to force him back. You don't want to force anything, obviously, like if it's really you're staying true to what the you kind of let the story tell itself. And all of a sudden, I think it was Dan who said like, oh, that Morty should be evil Morty. And this mm-hmm. is the perfect way to finally bring him back. And also it's, it's, it shows that he's even more diabolical than you would assume based on the uh, Close Recounters episode from mm-hmm. season one, which was just sort of more like a, I don't know what his plan was. Like I was kind of more heisty in its kind of yeah. like structure. This was like next level. This is like, he's a little, possibly taking over the galaxy, right, the universe, yeah. multiverse. Yeah. yeah, that one, the first appearance felt like a, a teaser or stinger, at, mm-hmm. like a post credit scene, whereas this felt like, oh, no, this was a master plot, like a Palpatine-level type thing. <laughs> For uh, sure, and in this episode, so you have your uh, evil Morty storyline, but can you kind of dive into what it took to, like, manage all of these storylines? And you mentioned one that was on the cutting room floor and you had to drop it, yeah. but were there any other ones that kind of come to mind? That were on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, once again, I think I said in, in a previous episode, you know, there, it was one of those things where it's like just the very beginning. It's like, well, what should the stories be? And so people were pitching a lot of different things. And I don't remember what, you know, obviously we, we decided on those four that felt like a good cross section. Like, you know, but I, I do remember that there was a there was a time when once the scripts start getting longer and longer. And that means that the it just that affects production. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said, well, why don't we cut the Stand By Me one with the, with the four Mortys? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was just because I was, like, particularly anal where I just felt like I'm like, no, it's four feels like the right number, the mm-hmm. right balance. And also that they all tell – there's no overlap. They all mm-hmm. really tell four unique stories like, well, what would it be if it was just all this? What would it be if – you know, all the Mortys? What would it be if it was just, you know, the Rick and Morty power dynamics flip? What would it be the – and I was like fighting to make sure we didn't cut that. I don't remember what I did. I, maybe I just started trimming things out a little mm-hmm. bit. But I mean, there's definitely, I'm trying to think of what things we cut that were in that. There's probably a lot of stuff that was cut. If, if, if nothing else, like little details, like more you see more on TV, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember we wanted to kind of show like commercials for TV shows. You mm-hmm. know, what, what, would, what would Rick and Morty you know, what would be Rick and Morty? The Citadel's Breaking Bad be. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Like some show where Rick's, always made to look awesome because mm-hmm. it's basically Rick propaganda, you mm-hmm. know, that probably stuff like that. But with like Rick and Morty features, Evil Morty coming back in this episode, mm-hmm. um, and it has this like interesting way that the episode ends in the post credit scene where like, you know, they come back from Atlantis and then Rick has this line like, this will never have any bearing on our lives again. Mm-hmm. So like, are we done with Evil Morty? Is that what that means? Like this, you saw his rise and we will never have to oh, talk about him again. No, I think that that's the, that was meant to be ironic, and I think that is the proper use of ironic. <laughs> yeah, we have a proper because, use of ironic. Because uh, my my girlfriend loves this expression, dramatic irony, which is you know, and she talks about how when she was younger, she would get stressed out in a movie watching a character who is behaving in a way. You know, it's like a classic horror movie setup. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know the, the audience knows that everybody in the movie is going to be threatened by some horrible 
forced before the characters do. So there's that dramatic irony of like, ah, they don't know. They they just open the closet and they're looking the other way, and there's <laughs> a, a, a killer with a machete in there. You know, that's what it is. Rick is Rick is an idiot. <laughs> his his own his own contempt for the Citadel and what it represents and kind of everything outside of his own what he wants to do, his own selfishness, is he's oblivious to how much of a threat and how much there is out there waiting for him and how there's a foe who has been I mean, that's probably where it parallels the, uh, the the election of 2016, frankly, is that, you know, there is a certain complacency on behalf of, I guess, the left, the liberals, yeah, yeah. that like, well, this guy is an idiot. He's deaf. We're, we're the smart ones, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and that's probably what's going on in that moment. Rick is like, I don't have to worry about those idiots, those mm-hmm. f- idiots, you know. And and I certainly don't have to worry about a Morty. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so all it's just like it's this threat that he's just he's just his his narcissism is just um, making him blind to. And yeah. so, so no, it's definitely not meant to be interpreted by the text. I think it's more by the subtext, yeah. right? And so I think you know in the Mermaid Puss, the Atlantis episode, which I can give you a little trivia bit about. Um, is like, what could be the dumbest, most opposite Rick and Morty episode? Like, mm-hmm. inconsequential, you know, <laughs> story was the was the mermaid thing. So that was the fun of going to bookending it. Like, we're going to follow that. No, we're not. We're actually mm-hmm. going to follow something like this. So, so when that episode, I remember we wanted to fool the public um, with that reveal. And so the episode was starting to go out, meaning it was, I don't know, on Wikipedia or on IMDb is like Tales from the Citadel coming out whenever that was, October of 2017 or something. And all of a sudden, I, I remember emailing Justin, be like, dude, you've got to change, like, people are going to know, if you want to mislead, people know the episode title, there's no mislead. So yeah. then all of a sudden it became the Rick Lannis mix-up <laughs> as the official title, which is funny, because it's like, that is the official title now, but it's yeah. really Tales from the Citadel. Yeah, Meaning, yeah. I have like a shirt at home that my friend got me that's tail, that's the that graphic font, just that title. I was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us and helping us break down the Rick Lantis mix-up, a.k.a. Tales from the Citadel. Ryan, it's been great to have you to chat about this again. And uh, thanks, of course, to Sam Basher for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram, at Sam Basher. And uh, we will be back next time you see us. We will be looking at the season four premiere episode. And uh, we're also going to do a breakdown of all the animation details and Easter eggs that you, you missed from the episode, as we always do. Uh, and as a reminder, subscribe to Rick's Plane podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts uh, and right after the season four premieres Rick Splained will uh, become the uh, official Rick and Morty after show of new rock stars and we're going to have some great guests we're going to go inside the episode to look at some things they might not have known otherwise and uh, subscribe to new rock stars on YouTube as well and you can find all of our Rick and Morty content both on YouTube and on our podcast feed thank you for joining us and uh, see you next time bye bye